bonus episode, we interviewed Howard Tate Scott, the author of the newest crime thriller, Rascal on the Run. Um, nice little bonus episode to drop for you guys. Uh, again, loving all the engagement. Please continue to subscribe, give us five-star reviews, all that good stuff so we can ha- do more fun bonus episodes like this. Rascal on the Run is available on all platforms in hardcover, paperback, and Kindle. Go out, show them some love. I'm definitely going to read it. I'm very excited to. Uh, we will be back next week with our regular, regularly scheduled programming. This that week, looking at the Pelican Brief. But for now, enjoy the bonus episode with our new friend Howard. bonus episode of legal fiction it is just joe today no spencer but we are joined by a very special guest howard tate scott whose new book rascal on the run is now available at amazon and barnes and noble one of the really books i'm really excited to read it looks like it's hitting everything that everyone is really interested right now it is a book described as in athens georgia in 1988 Attorney August Critter Stillwell dreams of life on the open sea, but he's stuck juggling a crushing caseload after the sudden departure of his father, defense attorney Guy Stillwell, a local legend with a debilitating drinking problem. When an episode of Unsolved Mysteries leads to the capture of a murder suspect who's been on the run for 25 years, the ominous pattern of facts drags Critter into a hidden corner of Guy's past. In 1963, To Kill a Mockingbird was playing in local theaters, and Guy Stillwell was a lot like Atticus Finch if Atticus had been a charming two-timer and a burgeoning alcoholic. For 15-year-old Critter, working at his father's law firm was a masterclass in the art of good old boy litigating and congenial backdoor deals. Chauffeuring guy's hard-drinking partner, King Hodges, between the law firm, courthouse, and a local brothel, Critter got another kind of education. That summer, Guy took on the trial of the decade, defending a black woman charged with the murder of a KKK thug. By the time it was over, Critter's world and the sleepy town of Athens were in flames. As an older, wiser critter looks back on that fateful summer, he discovers stunning connections between Guy's case and his own defense of the runaway murder. Drawn into a web of small town secrets, family drama, long buried lies, and the rusted tentacles of the Dixie Mafia, Critter is forced to confront his own notions of justice, freedom, love, and sobriety. Now he must choose between his duty to the law and an unwavering loyalty to his flawed but charismatic father. Welcome to the pod, Howard. How are you doing? Well, good afternoon. I'm glad to be here. So, uh, one, I should say, first, you're uh, you're in a much better setting than I am. I'm in the Midwest, and you're doing this interview out on the sea, from what I can tell. Yeah, I just left uh, New York City, where we got to see all the fireworks over the Hudson River and the oh, East wow. River, and then we cruised over to uh, Connecticut, and we're on our way to Newport. Uh, for a stopover and ultimately spending the month of August in Maine and 
possibly Halifax, Nova Scotia. And sounds just like a rough summer. <laughs> so just not fun at all, right? Uh, so, well, yeah. it's a little bit cooler on the water. <laughs> it's beautiful here. Yes, yes. You're, I'm definitely not jealous. So uh, what we were talking a little bit before we started here about your background. So my, my first kind of question with this, this is your first book, I believe. It, that it is the first book. And uh, it's been a joy to write. It uh, was so much fun. And uh, the journey has been uh, good. It's been a few years to write. And uh, but the whole concept has been in development for quite a number of years. Awesome. Yeah. What what gave you the inspiration? For this story well the inspiration comes from my personal experiences growing up in a small town at, at my father's knee uh, i'm the seventh generation attorney in my family going back to boston before wow. the revolutionary war uh, family moving to philadelphia then further south to lexington kentucky and then down into georgia in the 1830s Wow. So I come from a long line of lawyers and I was kind of predestined to follow that in my dad's <laughs> no footsteps. Yep, pretty much. Awesome. And so you said that this story, like it, it almost draws parallels uh, to what you experienced in Athens, Georgia. Is that correct? Well, absolutely. Uh, Athens, Georgia is a college town known for great music, great football, antebellum homes, and kind of the best of the old South meets the, the new South, in my mm. mind. Uh, it's about an hour and a half out of, the, out of Atlanta, and uh, it's just far enough away to, to retain its charm and, and small town feel. That's really great. So we mentioned already that you're on a boat. So you're a lawyer, a sailor, and a writer, which my first question <laughs> is, how do you sleep if you're doing all three of those things at once? Uh, but well, what? I don't, don't do them all <laughs> at once. Uh, thank goodness I did. Uh, I love the law and I enjoyed the practice of law immensely, but I came to a point where I didn't like it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there were a lot of people around me, older lawyers, who really didn't like it at all, but they were kind of trapped on a hamster yeah. wheel, if you were, and they didn't have any other choice, really. They were burdened by debt, by obligations, by other mm -hmm. matters, and they couldn't really escape. And I didn't like that prospect of becoming one of those guys. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I retired from law at age 49 and started a new career path, and that all led me to a uh, life on the sea and gave me the freedom and time to start this book. And That's awesome. uh, there you have it. That's awesome. Uh, were you a, a sailing family or are you the first one to do it in your family? Never set foot on a boat in my <laughs> life. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, actually, it's like being a baby lawyer had, learning everything. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can empathize with that because... Uh, I actually started practicing law before I had a license. I feel like oh, wow. uh, working working in my dad's office and in other areas. Oh, I was yeah. like a quite an advanced paralegal slash law student and uh, doing pleadings and interviewing clients and witnesses and really getting into the meat and, and heart and soul of the practice of law before I was even out of college. Wow. But all that said, um, when I did start practicing, practicing i felt like i had a leg up 
And shortly after I entered the practice with my dad, he passed away, he died of alcoholism. And I uh, was left with this law firm. And uh, the only thing I had to do is either sink or swim. And I decided to swim and I started paddling hard. Wow. Wow, that's an amazing story. So uh, we were talking also a little bit before you run a blues cruise. Uh, well, I don't run it, but I'm <laughs> one of the founding partners of wow. the legendary Rhythm and Blues Cruise out of Kansas City. And I'm happy to say that I met this guy standing on a street corner in New Orleans outside of Jazz Fest. And this guy was passing out flyers and I asked him what he was all about. And he said, well, I'm a Kansas City uh, nightclub owner and I'm promoting a blues show. And we struck up a conversation, later a friendship, and then later a business partnership. Perfect. Well, as Spencer and I are Midwest boys, we're, we're going to have to take advantage. I don't know where we can really cruise in the Midwest, but uh, you said out of Kansas City, so that's not too far. We should be able to <laughs> hop on that. That's awesome. There you go. We'd love to have you. <laughs> Uh, so as a, a native Southerner, uh, I myself, I have been to Arkansas. That's about as far south as I've gone. Uh, I've been to Florida, but that's a little different, I would say. So sell me on coming to the South for my next vacation. Well, uh, where I live, Athens, Georgia, the rolling hills of North Georgia, it's, uh, as I mentioned, the best of the old South meets the best of the new south it's antebellum homes it's beautiful uh, landscape it's deciduous trees heavily forested it's uh, full of interesting people where the town meets gown the gown being the university of georgia and it's uh, diverse culture uh, it's people uh, and professors and all of the trappings of a major academic institution and then the town folks are people who are just doing what you and I do every day they're the, the uh, doctor the lawyer the business owner and uh, it just seems to draw a lot of characters uh, sure. University of Georgia sure. is a major art school and with that came people who are interested in arts and that brought in all of these musicians and Next thing you know, you've got REM, B-52s, Widespread Panic, and all these other great bands that came out awesome. of Athens and that are still there. Yeah. So uh, it's a fun place. That's uh, awesome. You've got Savannah, Atlanta. You've got other aspects of Georgia. And as the travel poster says, from the mountains to the sea. <laughs> yeah, sure. You guys really do have, like, every type of, like, thing you would want to experience you got the mountains you got the water you got the downtown city you got everything there we have it yep <laughs> i need to get down to just one to also just experience true sec football because i'm so used to like the big 10 and big 12 version of football and the sec is just like it's a different breed well it is and it's a major social occasion <laughs> that's uh you know the, the, you never miss an opportunity in Athens, Georgia to either throw a party or participate in one. And uh, that was the environment I grew up in. It was a heavy drinking culture. It was a heavy party culture. It was kind of like a, a Georgia version of New Orleans where uh, it's all about having fun and 
that's all well and good until that having fun interferes with your daily life. And, <laughs> you know, you yeah, uh, yeah. get to a certain point where you have to make choices. Yeah. And that's like you, we've been talking before. That's one of the other sort of aspects of your book. You said it's split into kind of like three major lessons. And one of those lessons is about alcoholism and specifically how it intersects with the legal profession. So I don't know if you want to talk more about like what that lesson was and your experience with it and what you've seen in the legal profession. Well, the legal profession is a high pressure profession. You're dealing with adversarial situations on a constant basis and you're dealing with clients who quite often are less than savory characters and you're dealing with uh, uh, high stress situations. Well, in order to avoid stress, people sometimes turn to uh, social drinking or heavy social drinking that turns into uh, a daily ritual, which turns into something a lot more sinister and serious. Uh, it could be alcohol, it could be uh, the drug of choice, or it could be any number of things. But growing up in Athens, I saw it all. And mm -hmm. uh, I uh, the book details a lot of the funny aspects of it, but also that turned into some very serious consequential aspects of it with my father's premature death, uh, with other lawyers and other characters having made very bad choices when they're, uh, they were in a diminished state. And so it's a very real thing. And uh, so it dealt with in the book an honest way, anyway, and uh, in also a sad way yeah. so the book doesn't try to be preachy but it does try to deliver a message so that the reader can pick up on their own answers to those questions of of uh how far is too far when is it time to get to check yourself in and and see whether you're heading in the wrong direction or whether you're just fine Gotcha. And so as someone who you said, have said grown up essentially in the legal profession, working for your father's law firm, has it changed at all in, in your view with um, just, you know, the, the new ways that lawyering is done? And, you know, most recently with the uh, pandemic, we had, you know, there's a, a lot more now, uh, what do you call it, like remote or Zoom happy hours or that's kind of what you do because you're stuck. You can only stay inside at some point. So it's like, what do I do? Well, there's there's alcohol here, so I can do that. Well, when you take out the human contact, it diminishes the experience of socializing. It diminishes the experience of effective lawyering. I think. I think it diminishes the uh, opportunity to learn remotely. I don't think it's the same. I I think the interaction between professor and student, between judge lawyer and jury and, and witness are very important elements and you can't get the same vibe, you can't get the same measure of truth from the witnesses. And I just, I'm so happy that uh, the vast majority of the pandemic is over and that we're ready to move forward. And I hope we go back to the way it was to be quite frank with you. And how did, on that note, how did, uh, did, does the pandemic change the sailing life when you're out on the seas or? Well, uh, for me, it didn't because it gave me even more uh, 
interest to keep on going. <laughs> I mean, what safer place than to be out there or in a marina that's ninety percent empty? Say so you're very socially distanced. Ninety percent empty. Yeah, and uh, you know we were careful and we got vaccinated as soon as we could, and so mm-hmm. all was good with us. And we thought it was a great idea to keep on going. So. Last summer, we were all in New England and had the place to ourselves. And last winter, we were all over the Caribbean. And every country we went to, we had to get uh, tested, but that was okay. It was a small price to pay for the freedom that the boat affords. Yeah, yeah, I I think you- all about that. (laughs) I think you have one of the- uh... One of the more enjoyable uh, self-quarantining stories. Some people are like, I was stuck in my studio apartment. You're like, I was in the Caribbean. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, uh, part of the the book that deals with my life and it loosely parallels the experiences that I've had. And I came to the conclusion at a very young age that the idea about earning a living practicing law was not so much about accumulating things or or keeping up with the Joneses, but it was to accumulate money so that it retained value and earned money because that afforded a certain kind of freedom that we Mm -hmm. all yearn for. And if we plan properly, if we're clear-headed, if we make good decisions, you can plan for the future and you can accumulate money, which that money is for, in my mind, for one purpose, that is to, uh, to be able to exercise the freedom of movement, the freedom uh, and to enjoy life, to learn, to read, to explore and to create art and to view art. And so that's what it's all meant for in my mind. That's awesome. That's yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Like it's, they always say it's, it's not the only thing, but it's, it's much easier to be sad in a Ferrari than it is in like a beater. So, uh, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, I, uh, I'll read to you a little blurb that sure, uh, I keep on my desk here in the office of the boat. Um, it's a, it's a quote from a French philosopher and it says, I'm a citizen of the most beautiful nation on earth a nation whose laws are harsh yet simple, a nation that never cheats, which is immense and without borders, where life is lived in the present. In this limitless nation, this nation of wind, light, and peace, there's no other ruler besides the sea. Well, that that quote sums it up for me. Uh, Living on a boat allows me to live a much more stressful, Uh, life and it's completely polar opposite to when I was practicing law (laughs) I was working six days a week I was doing 10 12 hour days quite often and I would go immediately from the office to happy hour Mm -hmm. and uh, I'd crush it at happy hour and go party some and then when my dad died I decided well I need to examine myself and see Am I following in his his footsteps? And if so, am I doing the same thing he did? Am I going to end up the same way he did? And the lesson I learned there was to stop and re-examine where I was going in life. And when I did, I decided, well, 
I'm likely going to end up uh, with an early demise if I continue drinking and partying. And I decided to, I didn't want that. So not to be preachy about it because because it applied to me doesn't mean it applies to other people who enjoy a cocktail. I made that personal decision mm -hmm. and it worked for me. And uh, here I am and I feel like I'm in much better place for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and I'm very sorry to hear that, but it sounds like you you took that and turned it into a really successful and beautiful story where now you're living, like you said, a stress-free life on the sea. You're able to actually enjoy what you've built because that's the thing that so many young lawyers do. They're working these crazy hours. They may be making a lot of money, but it's just kind of sitting there. They don't get to enjoy their life or have any sort of free time to use that money towards. Well, you're so right. And uh, the book talks about all of that. And as I said earlier, it parallels two murder cases and it gets into legal ethics. And one of the uh, morality plays that's going on in the book is the, the aspect of practicing law where the, the gauge of your success is whether you win or lose. And when it's a zero sum game of you have winners and you have losers, then there's a natural tendency in each of us to start skirting the of ethical considerations, oh, really yeah. tiny. And you may not even know you're doing it, but slowly but surely, if you are one of those type A people who's striving to succeed in law and to win, you sometimes start where you lose the focus of where you should be going. And quite often people end up not even liking the person that they are. They started out the profession maybe with noble ideals and that's what they fully intended to follow. Mm -hmm. And they really felt like they were, but sometimes they start justifying their actions that the ends justify the means. Yeah, that's a, that's a big issue. And it's see. so insidious. It is, and it's insidious, and quite often you don't even know that you've been compromised until it's a little bit too late. And that's very much like alcohol. It's insidious, and sometimes you don't even know that alcohol is controlling you rather than you controlling alcohol until it's a little bit too late. Yeah. But for me personally, and I only speak for me personally, and I don't judge others, uh, for me personally, stopping drinking allowed me to take a, a better look at myself to be clear-minded and clear-headed and make better decisions. And then what I really thought about it, I decided, you know, I think I want to do something else. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to reinvent myself. And that's when I decided to leave law and, and strike out on other ventures. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, to get into this, I guess, some more happier uh, subjects, uh, you mentioned just now that you went into other things. So what what made you first want to get out on the sea? Like, what was the, the driving factor to become a full-time sailor? Well, it was sort of funny because I, like a lot of people, on a cold winter day and it's raining and you're freezing <laughs> your butt off, you want to, you would love to be on a beach and take a look at uh, attractive people in bikinis and and all of that 
and I was no like no different than anyone else. I decided, well, I'll find a little spot in Florida. I'll find a mm-hmm. house on the beach or a condo on the beach or something. And the more I looked in Florida, I decided, you know, it would be boring just to live <laughs> in this one place all yeah. the time and look at the same stretch of beach every single day. It might be boring living in the Keys. It might be fun for a little while, but after a year, two or three, it's the same thing mm-hmm. just every single day. So I looked at boats and I said, wait a minute. Here's a basically a condo on a boat, a living space on true, a boat. True, true. And I can move where the sun is. In the <laughs> wintertime, I can be in the islands. In the summertime, I can be in the Northeast. And That's I can awesome. learn and explore and meet new people. And uh, it was a way to have fun and to... Uh, oh, right now, for instance, all of these little towns in New England are just full of history. They're beautiful little towns and they all have very interesting people, artists and writers and people who are creative and other people who work with their hands and they're in the marine industry or they're, uh, there's a lot of restoration. There's beauty everywhere. Yeah. So uh, it was a no brainer for me, but it took a leap of faith again like it did to leave the practice of law or to For change sure. careers. It's a leap of faith. Well, I can figure this out. Other people have. Yeah. So yeah. Next I thing you know, that I, trust in yourself. Yeah. Right. I put a, uh, put out a contract on a boat and enrolled myself in captain school <laughs> to learn a little bit about it. Cause I didn't know port from starboard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm, uh, know just enough to be dangerous. That's awesome. That's awesome. So where you're, where are you right now? You said, where are you, where are you ported at? Right now we're in Essex, Connecticut, but we That's generally right. travel between as uh, far south as Trinidad near almost to South America and as far north as Maine and uh, sometimes to Canada. That's so awesome. uh, we have a wide range of ports to explore and different islands to go to. And of course there are other aspects to explore like central america through the panama canal and up to (laughs) costa rica and you name it that's perfect and you could be in the perfect spot where like an old client tries to call you like i don't get service sorry i'm out on the sea i can't help you so there you have it (laughs) i think we're getting cut off right now (laughs) yeah everyone's (laughs) sorry sorry uh well that is awesome so i am definitely going to order uh, rascal on the run i think it's on amazon barnes and noble is there anywhere else i should let you give your your pitch on where to get it well, and where the, to find you well the first thing is we did talk about some serious subjects and fun but the book is really fun and it's really lighthearted. it has uh i've had a uh, hundred people call me to tell me they just were belly laughing during the (laughs) middle of a sentence that they couldn't believe what they were reading. And it was just so funny. So I'm glad I did that. And the the way I dealt with the subjects that we talked about earlier were a little less stringent and were more uh, written to allow the reader to draw their own conclusions. But it's an exciting plot. It deals with a, a lot of interesting situations and scenarios and, uh, and it, it, if I might say, is uh, it uh, leaves you with wanting more. 
Oh. I think probably viewers have written that they're looking for the next sequel. There and you so go. I'm, uh, That's a perfect I'm setup. <laughs> Uh, the book is available on all platforms. It's uh, Kindle and hardback, softback, but also an audiobook version. Oh, a great, nice. great voice actor who perfected the Southern uh, <laughs> nuances has uh, has uh, done the audiobook. So you could enjoy that on on your commute or on your Perfect. family vacation. Perfect. That's for yeah. I'm the like road trips. I have to put on like some sort of like audiobook or deep dive podcast because i'm like if i just listen to like the top 40 i'm just gonna fall asleep while i'm driving so you might have just given me my next listen for the road trip very good let me know how you like it absolutely absolutely well thank you again howard great to hear from you for uh, all of our audience make sure you like howard said it's on all platforms kindle hardcover paperback rascal on the run by howard tate scott out now go get it from Spencer, who's not here, and myself, remember, never talk to the cops, never go to law school, and none of this is legal advice. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>